earth is a gallery. We are the works of art, all in the same family, beating with one heart. Pride tears us apart. Be wise and let's connect. When loss becomes found, yeah, this is the bridge. Praise God. Grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is your boy, Prophet Link, and my man, my guy, my my true friend in real life, DJ Lost and Found, here on the Missing Link podcast where we create where we connect where we connect creators and fans and we're the creators today we're the creators today we're gonna chop right (laughs) praise god what's good bro oh good man i'm chilling i'm chilling just woke up man i'm a little i'm still a little uh hazy eyed and all that groggy put put the kids to sleep and then they put me to sleep yo i was feeling like that a little while ago i i just like laid on the sofa and that's, I was like, mm-hmm. I was about to be done. About exactly, be done. exactly where I was at. Yo, I was out. How that Texas like, weather hey. doing, bro? I mean, the weather is different out here, bro. It's um, like today was ninety nine. It's like it's like between uh, ninety five and ninety nine every single day. Just about sp- always clear. If it rains, it'll rain for a short period of time. Then it's back to being hot. You know, so no complaints, no complaints, but it's it's right. just sometimes it be unbearable to be outside, just like yo, Different. give me some AC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why. And then it's, it's it's that guy. it's different. Is it's um it's hot longer too. So mm. the hottest part of the day is like five six o'clock, like in New York East Coast. What it start cooling off around that time? You know what I mean? Yeah. But here, that's the hottest part of the day. It don't cool what? off until about eight thirty. So it's what? I don't know what it is if it's where the bro. sun is placed. I don't know about you know what I mean geography and all that. Well, but bro, I mean, it's hot that, all the time. I guess that kind of makes sense because the sun rises in the east, sets in the west, and right. it's going over Texas, <laughs> and then Texas is closer to the and equator. Stays there. You're, you're closer. <laughs> it stays there all day, right? <laughs> while the time zones catch up. <laughs> Praise wow. God, yo! I, but it's I all mean, good though. I'm seeing more and more people looking like they're about to make that move down there, man. Especially all this COVID stuff happening. Down south is where it's at, bro. That's where it's at. <laughs> Texas loves its freedom. It's mad space down here. Yeah, for real. Bro, I, for real, for real. I keep I keep seeing clips of with uh, Voss shares because you know Voss is a real realtor, and um, he's like, "This mm-hmm. is what this is what 250k can get you in Texas," <laughs> like. What's a freaking mini mansion? A mini mansion, bro. No, not even mini, probably like a half my, mansion. My aunt lived in Houston. My my aunt lived in Houston, and she had a, a legit mansion. It would be you know a million dollar plus mansion up, up north. You know what I mean? But here, she paid. I, I'm I'm guessing. I'm guessing she paid about from anywhere between three to five. But the equivalent would be a million dollar mansion up, up north. Bro. Like she had a pond and Japanese fish and all that. Like, bro, bro, that that probably. If be you gonna go somewhere, go to go to Houston. Houston has, yeah. But that's what Voss is at. That's exactly who I would, here, and who I no would be tax. hitting up. What? No right. state taxes. No state tax. So. Yo, oh, so they see pay, the difference that in paycheck that check. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that paycheck hit different. <laughs> Way different. Three hundred dollars different. You know what I mean? 
wow that's shoot that's a whole difference right well, it's just a blessing though it's a blessing praise god that's what's Lord, up, has, bro. Uh, he's definitely blessed us taking care of us yeah you know i mean but um but actually let's let's segue that into man <laughs> talking about taking care of us right like the ultimate thing that he can do for us is salvation so i'm, I'm curious because we talked a little bit last time on my salvation story but we gotta get we gotta hear prophet link because I'm, y'all don't know, but Prophet Link got a crazy testimony, and bro, start us start us from, <laughs> I guess the the earliest moments, I guess either or give us the backstory in life because that, that I think that helps with telling your testimony too. Backstory, man. Like. Um, so growing up in the Puerto Rican family, um, I know Puerto Rico is a commonwealth, but it a commonwealth of the united states so i you know my family we, we're all citizens of the united states um but it is a completely different world i actually used to live in puerto rico so i i know the difference i went to school there for uh, a little over a year um uh at about like seven eight seven like everything seemed to have happened like when i was six, seven years old like that that six to nine age bracket like everything crazy happened to me um and then later on uh we'll get to that part but um Mm -hmm. so just kind of like first generation born and raised here because my mom was born in puerto rico um she came here at an early age um after my grandfather actually committed suicide um that was crazy because he hung himself on the bedpost now you can imagine the bedpost is not that high up right it's not that high up so he willfully hung himself uh with a towel off the bedpost um he had ptsd from from serving in the military so um he served in the army um and i guess he couldn't take the transition back into home life having mad kids um at the time my grandmother had nine children my mom was the second youngest Right. So my aunt was the baby. So my, my mom was just a baby when she was like a toddler, rather, um, when he mm-hmm. passed away. And um, shortly after that, I guess she tried to make ends meet and kind of hold her own. But she ended up moving to the U.S. Um, and my family kind of bounced around between Harlem and and um, New Jersey. And that's when she met. You know, she met several men across the, the, the course, I guess, of her life here um, in in the tri-state and ended up going to the Bronx. And that's where I was born. Well, I wasn't technically born in the Bronx. I was born in Harlem, ironically, but raised in right. the Bronx. Right. Grew up in Hellbound, Crip neighborhood, Loke City. <laughs> that is the south of the South Bronx, okay? NYCHA, New York City Housing Authority, Mitchell Projects. It was known right as next the, to the bridge, right? Right next to the Willis Ave Bridge, right? It was literally <laughs> my 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 address was uh uh Willis Avenue. It was um three uh 360 East. Oh snap, okay. <laughs> well, it was technically it was it was um 137th Street because it was in the middle of the block, but it was on Willis Avenue. Um, right. So, man, Willis Ave. If nobody knows, it is one of the four avenues of death. That is literally what is known for infamously. <laughs> the four bullet avenues of death. Yeah, avenues of death. Because we got Willis, Brook, Cypress, Jeez. and Saint Anne's. 
right? They're, they're all four of those are right next to each other. And, and that no Cypress. Is, that is the southern, most southern part of the Bronx, basically, right? Um, and then, you know, once you go below, like, where, by, you know, under the bridge and stuff like that, that's that was all warehouse district kind of band that we used to wild out, do all type of crazy stuff. Now it's the piano district, it's gentrified. But growing up there, man, um, literally my whole, my whole childhood, um, adolescence. Um, there was some years in between where I lived with my grandmother further up 172nd and Fulton Ave, still the South Bronx, right? Right by Cretona Park. Wasn't <laughs> wasn't that much of a difference as far as safety or type of neighborhood, but we didn't we didn't know it was it was life. It was regular life to us. But anyway, so context, my mom is deaf, so I am the child of a deaf adult. So that means I'm a a coda so sign language was my first language like that was my first language uh before verbal language and uh grandparents only spoke spanish for the most part i mean my grandmother spoke english too but um so growing up in a very spanish puerto rican household everybody was everything was puerto rican except for a couple of my aunts (laughs) and my cousins who introduced mad dominicans into our family so we had a a puerto rican dominican thing going on depending on where we was hanging out right whose house we were visiting Mm -hmm. um so i have cousins that are dominicans so i I got a lot of you know culturalization in that realm and man being the child of a deaf adult i'm the first born but the fourth conceived of my mom the first born but fourth conceived Right. And she had me when she was 19 years old. So um, not uh, this. I share this openly because my mom gave me permission to share it. Um, She she was just lost uh, having a very low education level. Right. Coming from Puerto Rico, then coming to New York where the education system did not cater to people with disabilities at all. So it was a very oral system. They literally didn't allow uh, my mom during that time or anybody for that matter that was deaf or hard of hearing to practice sign language like they would get smacked with rulers they were forced to talk and to learn what? how to read exactly like like i learned this i didn't learn this until i went to college but um yeah it was it was an oral system so it was forcing deaf people to speak basically and learn how to talk so that was what she grew up in so mm-hmm. she she didn't benefit from school like that. She learned the very rudimentary skills, right? Basic math, um, how to read very great, probably third grade level reading, right? Which is crazy because I have two middle schoolers right now. So to think that my middle schoolers have had the opportunity of, of achieving a higher level of reading. I mean, even my, my third grader right now has a higher level of reading and, and reading comprehension than that, right? But it was because of the system. Um, and then, you know, immigrant considering immigrant level education from my grandparents didn't help at all right um and by grandparents i mean my step-grandfather because obviously my biological grandfather wasn't around so man my mom's story that's a whole nother thing maybe we got to talk about that one time um she got kidnapped when she was a teenager she was missing for like two weeks um totally traumatized has no recollection of what happened she actually lost a lot of her memory from even before those years right um and that also led to her promiscuity and acting crazy and then seeking affirmation and love in all the wrong ways 
And um, that's when she met my dad, who was younger than her. So my mom conceived me at 18, had me at 19. My dad was like 16 years old. <laughs> Didn't know I existed. Oh, wow. Okay. Didn't know I existed um, mm-hmm. because my my, my family kind of shunned him and, and kept it a secret from him. And my mom didn't want to, you know, she felt like he was too young and she was young herself. So kept it from him. I didn't learn that too much later in life. So she raised me as a single mom. So there's some, some pretext uh-huh. <laughs> for my life story growing up in Mitchell's projects, right? It was a completely different era going on. Um, the drug dealers used to actually take care of the neighborhood because they didn't want to make the block hot because they had to make money, right? So they took care of the old ladies in the neighborhood. Mm. The little youngins ran free. Um, if there was somebody violating or bringing too much attention in the wrong ways to the neighborhood, then they they kind of they kept the neighborhood safe. You know what I mean? Um, right, so right. that type of environment allowed me to roam free at a very early age. I talk about, bro, at four years old. Could you imagine at four years old? I was allowed to walk out of the house, out of the apartment because we lived on the first floor. And just go to the park, the playground right outside the building. Sheesh. I'm talking about like a 20-story building that has like eight apartments on each floor. You know what I mean? Like a full project building, just one building mm-hmm. out of a lot, right? There's at least 10 buildings on that side of the development. Then there was a whole nother side, right? After Alexander Avenue. But <laughs> I was allowed to walk outside and just go outside and chill and stuff like that. So man i i got into trouble just early project like, baby yeah like six seven i ended right. up wandering with a friend of mine's just exploring new york city we walked over a bridge and ended up in brooklyn and got, <laughs> got we got uh we walking along the what? brooklyn bridge brooklyn brooklyn yes from from the Bronx. From the Bronx, bro? From the Bronx. We just, we ended up walking across bro, some bridge. I don't even, that's not even making sense. I don't even know. I think we we crossed like the Randall's Island and then ended up getting on the Whoa. BQE and then all of a sudden was on the Brooklyn Bridge. We were just okay. walking and exploring and having fun. Jeez. We walk along the highway, these, this old couple stops. They're like, what are you kids doing on the bridge? What's up? Where are your parents? Like, what? why are you walking on the bridge? Uh, they call the cops. Cops come. That ended up me getting into the Big Brother program. You remember that Big Brother program where mm-hmm. this this white cop, uh, uh, I never forget him, Glenn Pitts. Uh, if he ever sees this or hears this interview, um, he had a very impactful section of my life. Right, he became a big brother of mine. Exposed me to a lot of different kind of food. Um, and Italian. He was Italian, so he wasn't really white. He was. You know what I mean? Italians, Italians ain't really white. You know what I mean? In, in my book, or to a lot of people. But anyway, a little more cultured. So, man, fast forward that, just being crazy, always getting into trouble. Um, in school, school was always a challenge. Um, I, I always struggled with school, but I would always ace my tests. I was, uh, and not to boast about myself, mm. I believe, I, I, I know, I don't just believe it, I know it was God. But um, very, very intelligent. I was always head of my class when it came to passing tests, reading comprehension level. Um, and but I would get into trouble. I would never do my homework. I would be roaming the hallways. I would be 
breaking stuff. I'd be breaking into areas that I didn't belong in, like the school's roof or into the basement mm. and going into the boiler rooms and all type of crazy stuff. And that led to me going to three different elementary schools because I got kicked out of the first elementary school for fourth mm-hmm. grade. Went to fifth grade in a completely different school. That's when I went to live with my grandmother for about a year, maybe like a full school year um, or two and kind of live with her on and off. She tried to she tried to kind of love me into the right direction. That ain't really work. And um, that school, I performed so well on my examinations. They had no choice but to pass me to the next grade. But they said, you can't come back here. (laughs) This is it. You graduated, wow. but you, wow. I mean, you, you're passing the grade, but you ain't coming back here. That led me going to PS40 on 140th Street between Willis and Brook. And that's where I met my man's John Blaze. Mm. That was that was a childhood friend right to this day. Right. Um, and man, those those are crazy two years. They were about to kick me out of that school, too. But they figured, listen, he's going to sixth grade. That's that was their top level. Sixth grade, we might as well keep them, let them graduate, and then we could just send them to middle school and get them out of here. Seventh yeah. grade, <laughs> seventh grade was different because now I wasn't amongst the same friends. Um, there was a couple of people that I knew transitioning into the new school, but um, not anybody that was like like real homies, you know what I mean, or even close to my neighborhood. So I, I dealt with bullying, like. It was bad because I was a short, skinny. I was the short. I was always the shortest kid, always the most rambunctious, though. So what ended up happening was the bullies became my friends because it was like, yo, this little dude is staticky. Like, he's crazy. Like, I will never keep my mouth shut. I will always get into fights. And I don't care how big you were. We would we're going to fight. I'm going to defend my honor somehow, some way. You ain't going to just bully me. Um, And. The bullies ended up becoming my friends, and that's how I became right. like the pop pop of that. They were saying, Mike, like, yo, Mike, yo, he said this, like, yo, he, they would kind of put the battery in my back, and I was such a people pleaser that I would get into more trouble and stuff like that. So, middle school, for context, it is, it's important to lay it out because then when we get to the real part, you can understand why. So, eighth grade, now I'm a senior in middle school. That's when that's when I get introduced to to smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, get high, girls. That's when I that's when I actually mm-hmm. lost my virginity and just lost my mind. Um I, I had no need for porn anymore, right? I had a crazy porn addiction before that. Um because we had access to the internet. We had AOL. We had the little hacks where we could get the CDs. Remember, you get the free trial and just keep running up the codes oh, for the, the free CDs. trials. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The right, AOL, right. the AIM and all that. Right. <laughs> ASL, age, sex, location. That right, wasn't American right. Sign Language. But anyway, um, so once I started having sex for real, mm-hmm. oh, man, I lost my mind. And I realized, because really inside, I was a nerd. Deep inside. I still am, but deep inside I was a nerd. I collected Pokemon mm-hmm. cards. I was into du- dueling, Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Um right. collected too. comic books, right? Like video games. I had I always had the latest game system, which was what made me cool and why the bullies 
also kind of became my friend. Because not only was I static and didn't take nothing from nobody, I always had the latest. And I was, you know, I was pretty fly for growing up on public assistance. I always had at least a pair of Uptowns. I had a couple couple of Jordans. I was fresh as a baby. But then as I got into teenagehood, you know, it was a little more sporadic. (laughs) I had to be more, you know, uh, cunning with how I style my clothes. But um, I was pretty fresh, fly guy. And then I started growing my hair too in eighth grade. So I started getting great. You know, I had the curl, the curly fro, um, kind of like Peanut got going on right now. And um, Peanut's my oldest son. And um, man, I was I was living that hood life, and I started to realize that the girls that I like didn't like nerdy guys. They liked those hood, thugged out dudes, Mm. the type of girls that I liked. I was like, "Mm," so all right. And I was already an avid fan of hip hop, so. Growing up in the 90s, late 90s. Now, this is just going into the early 2000s, right? I'm talking 98 to 2000, my middle school years. And, um, yo, the the music, 50 Cent just came out, right? 50 Cent just came out. He's coming at Ja Rule. That whole, yo, (laughs) that altered my whole life because I wanted to be like that. And that's what started to get the girls. So I started to dress a little bit differently. Then I started to get braids. I had the hang time at, by the time I was 16. And fast forward, I was just living that street life and wanted to be that way. So at the age of 16, I get shot. <laughs> the age of 16, I get shot. Really like 50. Really like 50. And I got shot four times. Once here. Uh, it's here, 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 and then through my arm, like right through the elbow. Um, and 50 was right. My bones still hurt when it rains. Whenever it gets muggy, when it hurts. Yeah, man. I, I feel the weather. I can feel the weather. I can feel humidity. I can tell when it's going to rain. Like, it's no joke. Like, it's not like a sixth sense weird spiritual thing. Um, and right. that incident happened because... There was no crazy war story, right? I got shot because we were racist and living in that hood. The the mind you, we're all most of us are Hispanics, right? It was either Hispanic or black, but Mexicans were no seen as kind of less than because they did all the blue collar labor, they did the, all the night jobs, wow. right? And then they had a couple of little mm-hmm. restaurants and stuff, and they they took care of their own community. They were the guys that sold flowers on the corner, you know what I mean? Uh, or the ladies selling, you know, right. um, you know, fruit cups and you know, mango slices or churros, right? Churros and stuff. So mm-hmm. I mean, we was racist because the ones in our closest proximity they were drunkards. They were just drunk all the time and they were beat on their women. So we had no respect for those individuals, right? Not to classify a race of people, um, even though I don't even right. believe in race. But you, you understand what I mean? Um, that That's just that's just how we were. And that's how our atmosphere in our society kind of molded and shaped our view of them. Right. Um, I, I absolutely, of course, do not feel that way into my adulthood at all. But um, we used to play a game called Knockout. And because they used to be drunk all the time, we used to catch them coming out the restaurants. Wow. Uh, and it was like, yo, kind of like the, the it's not even a myth. It's like a true fact. Anybody watching this, but like dope heads never fall. They never touch the floor. They'll nod they all don't. the way down and they never <laughs> they touch don't. the floor. So the belief was the belief was uh, or the urban myth, I guess, uh, was that Mexicans don't fall even if they drunk. 
Like if they drunk, they will not fall down if you hit them, right? Like if you get them hype and stuff like that, you fight. So Jeez. literally after he was playing basketball one night, real late, he was about to cut school the next day to go to the beach, go to Orchard, uh, not Orchard Beach, um, Brighton Beach in Brooklyn. We used to ride the train all the way that way because okay. they had different different type of girls over there. You know? So and then we used to get to smoke there and do all of that. Orchard was a little more strict, I guess, um, at that time. But right. I don't know. We just ain't like going to Orchard. I guess maybe because we saw people that we knew there. But um, potential for beef. But <laughs> yeah, everybody man, go to Orchard. Like that ah. incident happened because I dared myself. I, I wasn't even dared. I dared myself. I looked over to my man's and I said, "Yo, say I won't smack this dude in the face with this stick." It was just a, a you know, the stick for the blinds. That really right. thick plastic stick that used to turn the blinds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they really make those like that anymore. But um, that was on the floor, and it had red paint on it. And I remember that because when I was in the hospital, I, I had the paint on my hand. <laughs> Didn't realize it was fresh paint. But uh, I was like, "Yo, say I won't smack this dude in the face with this stick." And that's exactly what happened. What? I, sm- I I grabbed it, smacked him in the face with it. Started a whole brawl. We beat dudes up real bad. Talk about washed them up. Um, then, like, it was a whole thing. Like, I, I don't want to take too much time to talk about, but it was a whole thing. We beat them up. We, we're about to leave. I'm like, yo, we out. The cops don't come. My man's John grabs a stick from the garbage. Why that day we go to leave and there's an entire garbage area, garbage disposal area, pickup area that had nothing but broomsticks and mop sticks. <laughs> he grabs a stick. He runs back. What do we do? We grab sticks. We run back. We wail on the dudes again with these sticks. Break them over the head. I ended up breaking my hand on the dude's face. Punched him in the chin into the glass of the restaurant. I don't know how the glass ain't even break because he went right into that joint. Might have been plexiglass. I don't know. But, yo, we wash dudes. And as we're walking away, a guy comes drunk out of the restaurant. He had nothing to do with the incident. That's what's crazy Mm -hmm. about this. He had nothing to do with the incident. He walks out the restaurant and my man is like, yo, you should get two, man, because you Mexican, right? Dude pulls out, 38 special. <laughs> aims it at my man's. Aims it at my man's, right? I'm standing here. My man's is here, John, and then Macho is over here, ironically enough, right? So me, John, Macho. He aims it at right. John. He's aiming the gun, pulls the trigger, and nothing happens. So me and all my machismo and all my pride and all my ego were like, oh, son is bluffing? What? I go to cock back to swing and snuff him. And that's when I saw the light flash. And it was just like, wow. I was like, oh, snap. So I'm turning to run. Ironically enough, I was in front of a church called Pare de Sufrir, which means stop suffering. (laughs) Stop suffering. Um, it's it's a cult church, but ironically enough, a hey, spirit Jeez. of the Lord was there. Um, so it was in front of the church. So yeah, I'm dipping speaking, into it. Yeah. It used to be the Puerto Rican theater. Ironically, that's what it used to be. It's right on 138th, um, in Brook. So, <laughs> so I'm turning to run away, and as I'm turning to run away, he's still letting off. Pa 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 pa. Let's off, and he hits me with the rest. So it was that first flash that missed. 
And then I got hit with the remaining four bullets in the chamber. <laughs> he got me. So I'm running. My, my adrenaline's up. I'm bobbing and weaving through cars. I'm thinking I'm out of there. Get to my block. And that's when my man's noticed. Yo, you bleeding. And I'm like, what? I look down. My tank top is soaked. White tank top. Just soaked. I'm like, oh, that's when I felt it. Um, and I, I, I was losing a lot of blood. So, um. I didn't know this at the time, but afterwards I found out um, my boys were saying I, I looked like I was about to collapse. So they picked me up and carried me to the front of wow. my building. Um, I made it maybe like a quarter of the way up the block and then they took me up the rest of the, the rest of the way. And um, they carried me and I'm like, nah, nah, let me get, I'm good, I'm good. Let me walk, let me walk. They're like, nah, you're not good. You are not good. So they lay me in front of my building I'm passing my man's my phone because I, I I always had a phone. I always had the latest technology. So tossing my phone. Go ahead. Call call the professionals, man. Just call the professionals. Make sure they get here. Why did somebody tell my mom what happened? They knock on my mom's door like, oh, my God, Michael got shot. She comes down. She's wailing. That just completely tore my heart. She's losing it. My, I see my sister losing it. At the time, uh, my man's sister, we weren't. We ended up getting together a little while after that I think that summer following that uh, we ended up um, dating mm-hmm. but at that time she's mad loud she's mad ratchet. she's like oh my god she thought her brother got shot and then actually reacted <laughs> worse when she figured out I got shot she's wilding now and I'm like oh my right, god get right. her out of here like she's mad loud she's like get her out of here then I'm, I'm joking around I'm acting like nothing is wrong um, I was totally depraved, man. Totally depraved. And just, man, I, I was nuts. I was like insane. I, I was making it a joke. It was not serious to me at all. Um, I don't take pride in that. Um, even from the point of the, the cops came, they swarm. They're like, what happened? I'm like, what the? I'm cursing them out. I'm like, what, what you mean? What happened? Can't you visibly see that I got shot? Like, what? You, you know what happened. You got the call over the radio. Like, get out of here. Like, where the professionals at? I'm talking about the ambulance. <laughs> talking about the EMTs. Where where the professionals mm-hmm. at? Where the pros at? Where the pros at? So finally they come. Guy comes. They put me on the stretcher. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna be all right, all right, yo. My man. They the cops caught the guy who shot me because he was drunk, drunk trying to get home with the gun hanging out of his pocket. So they caught him. They bring him to get oh, wow. ID'd. They bring him to the scene where I'm at. I'm still there on the floor, like, wow. uh, uh, bleeding. They just get me on the stretcher. They pull him up. I see my man lose it. John loses it. He runs to go, um, like, pop off. Like, what was he thinking? Like, he was going to go kill dude, like, while he was in the squad car. Like, I don't know. So he right. goes to run up on dude. The, cops. the right. cops grab him. He almost got to the car, though. That's what's crazy. He almost got to the car. Like, he broke through cops, almost got to the car. They grab him up. I'm like, yo, yo, chill, 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 whatever. Get in the ambulance. Ambulance like, yo, how you feeling? Here you go. I grabbed the mask. I'm, I'm putting my own oxygen mask on. And I'm talking with the guy. Hey, man, what's your name? It's like, Chris. I'm like, oh, that's my brother's name. Yo, Chris, do what you got to do, man. I got faith in you, man. Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> do what you got to do. Just just get me help, man. Um. By the time they got me to Lincoln Hospital, which was number one, which still to this day is number one in trauma. <laughs> number one in trauma, praise God. Uh, yeah. Not number one or near number one in anything else. Maybe 
baby births in the Bronx, right? I was, I was <laughs> maybe baby births, but um, say. number one in trauma in the Bronx um, and in some places in the nation. And um, by the time they did the countdown, three, two, one, you know, they put the gas on me and I was I was knocked out. And um, the very next day, the doctor said, we don't know how you're alive. It's, it's a miracle. They actually had pronounced me dead on the oper- operating table. And do the blood loss. Like I lost so much blood that I was pronounced dead and flatlined. And um, out of nowhere, I was back. <laughs> I, I People ask me like, what did you see? Did you see... Did you see a light? Did you see any angels? Right. Like people got crazy testimonies like that that I know personally. And no, it was just, it was utter darkness. It was completely black. I was not conscious. I didn't see anything. And um, that didn't change anything, bro. It ain't changed nothing. <laughs> I, I, I could keep going for days. That's just that so, one so, story. So share with us, man. <laughs> you, you got the uh, the hoodie on. How did you, how did you break the cycle because obviously you know what I mean Shout there was a, a cycle of violence and Break debauchery you know um, so oh okay AP okay <laughs> yeah that's AP AP's brand um, praise God man oh we gotta get him on the show by the way that'd be a good 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 interview he's an artist creative too that'd but anyway good, yeah. um, man what, what did break and what did change was I ain't gonna be starting trouble like this no more I ain't gonna be beating up on random folks starting trouble with Mexicans I'm leaving them alone even though I ended up having beef with Mexicans before uh, after that uh, but that had to do with my man's building building he lived in was predominantly Mexican and we used to go smoke and drink in that building so they ain't like us <laughs> and the super was Mexican too so mm-hmm. that was a whole nother side story but um, I, I just I stopped I stopped seeking affirmation through being violent and being a thug and being a gangster because now the hood stamped me as that. They started calling me um, 50 because I got shot. And then um, two years later, I get involved in an incident, going to a house party, had nothing to do with me, had to do with somebody we was with. It was my man's cousin who we never hanged out with ever. He was with us that day. He sparked some issues, caused a, a, a whole brawl to happen. I ended up fighting dude hops in the cab and bounces he wasn't even there when this went down and i ended up getting jumped and stabbed i got my head cracked open um and that's after that time i'm 18 years old now right after that time i couldn't get my hair braided anymore because i was tender-headed now um so i just had the afro crazy afro like tough like that that was my ponytail my ponytail like i said i would have it slicked back into the ponytail and then the ponytail was like this big no exaggeration because um, mm-hmm. I couldn't get it braided anymore and man I got you so then they started calling me 50 Pac because then I got ju- I got jumped and stabbed and I got shot so they was calling me 50 Pac and that just that that made me even more depraved because I was like yeah I'm, I'm a firm now like I don't even gotta prove myself anymore I was always trying to jack a gang a set I was trying to be Crip because that was the hood I grew up in so I was Jack Crip. Yo, I would rock Chuck Taylors. I would have flags hanging out my pocket. I would have the beads on my neck, beads on my arm, the flag on my arm. And by flag, I mean a handkerchief, right? For those of you that don't know, a bandana, right? I'll have the bandana hanging from my arm, out the pocket, <laughs> right, on right, my right. head. Everything blue, everything Crip-related colors. I did not wear red for 
a good part of my young adolescence for that reason. Or if I did, it was only a certain percentage of red. Um, and then I kind of broke out after that, after um, a girl told me that I looked nice and red. And I was like, oh, where? All right. <laughs> my man's lent me his Jordans for, for, for a birthday. <laughs> red, white and red 14s. And I was styling it. And it was like, yo, you look type dope. And I was like, all right. And then, I, then ironically enough, right after that, I met some blood. So I was cool in the blood hood now, too. So I'm cool in the lo- local, mm. cool in the blood hood. And everybody knew me as like if I was jacking Crip, but I wasn't Crip, which is what made it worse because I was false claiming. <laughs> That's what made it worse. That's how depraved I was. Yeah. I went through high school like that. I got into some a couple of issues. It was predominantly blood. High school gompers, Samuel Gompers on Southern Boulevard. Craziness. And man, six months after, like about six months after that first incident happened where I got jumped and stabbed, I ended up getting myself in a situation where I got jumped and stabbed again. And this time they punctured my lungs. And um, I was pronounced dead on the operating table. (sighs) Doctor said exactly the same thing. We don't know how. But you're alive. It's a miracle. Just like that. Different hospital, St. Luke's Roosevelt in Manhattan. This happened in Harlem while I was at work um, at the animal care and control. <laughs> and um, yeah, that bro, I was I was really lost in the parade, man. And and that after that happened, I remember, you know, I'm just keeping it to myself. I was in that bad relationship with that girl that I said that annoyed me, right? My man's sister. That was an abusive relationship. It was domestically. It it was first, it was verbally and emotionally abusive. Like, oh, man, you ain't nothing Um, without me. You know, you you, you can Mm -hmm. never bag a girl like me. She was she was fly. She was super like super thin, you know, had the nice body, um, blue eyes, Puerto Rican with blue eyes. Like what? Because she was she was mm-hmm. part Spaniard, like she had Spanish in her blood, like literal Spanish. So she had blue eyes. Um, gotcha. And I, my man's ha- has blue eyes as well. But um, I was that was a bad relationship that then started to turn physical, and then because of all the trauma, all the bad mental health practices, all the bad coping mechanisms that I developed, smoking and drinking and, and being promiscuous and. Um, man <laughs> that led to a really dark place and um by that time i was living on my own i had my own apartment shorty was living with me and um it started to turn physical because I-, I wanted to get away from her because she would stress me out mm-hmm. and i'll be stressed out at work then i'll be stressed i'll be stressed just everywhere all the time so the only thing that helped me maintain was being drunk and being high um and man, I was just in a lost to pray place. Finally, and the, finally, um, I, I shared this on another time, and I think we're gonna have to wrap this up. <laughs> we gotta have to wrap this up, and maybe do another second part of, of Prophet Link's actually like what what led me to salvation because it wasn't any of that stuff. It really right. wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. so got a it got physical. Going on here. It got physical, right? So it got physical. She wouldn't let me leave the house and she grabbed on my hair and wouldn't let me walk out the door. And I'm just like, and she would block with her body. And I'm just like, I witnessed my mom get beat by stepfathers, right? 
by men before. Um, as a child, I remember vividly one time me going to get a broomstick and going to defend my mom because I thought he was going to kill her. And I went and got a broomstick, gave my brother a stick, and we beat the crap out of his dad. Out of his dad. Me and my little brother beat up his dad because we thought he was going to kill my mom. Um, and man, <laughs> we beat the living day. Like, like he couldn't get out of bed the next day. Like, And then my mom ended up nursing him back to health, right? Um mm. Ironically, so knowing and witnessing stuff like that and seeing my my uncles and crazy baby mama situations that they were borderline domestically violent into, I knew that was never that was never that was one code and ethic that I held dearly that got broken one day. She would not let me out the house and I needed to bounce and get away from her because she was stressing me out. Um, Mind you since 16 so from the age of 16 to like 20 actually like 15 and a half to 20 probably um she she was pregnant she was pregnant with my child several times i did not know that the very first time she was pregnant um that was probably the full the fullest length of term that we had going on um she got an abortion behind my back like she got i forgot what happened she ended up breaking up with me she was going to hang out in other hoods and stuff. She was driving me nuts, bro. I was like, that stressed me out even crazier. Cause like, yo, you got my baby. We about to be parents. Mm-hmm. Like what you doing? And she ended up getting an abortion. We got back together. I didn't know. And then she acted like it was a miscarriage, but it was really that she got an abortion. She could never wow. carry, she could never carry a wow. pregnancy after that. So we kept trying to have kids after that happened we got back together fell back in love right um now we're seeking to fulfill a hole that nothing else could fulfill and um so she was she was constantly losing a child losing a child and and she would then she would put that stress on me and then violate me and question my manhood and and so on and so forth and one day she wouldn't let me out the Mm -hmm. house out the door of the bedroom and i was i I, yo I, i blacked out I have no idea what actually happened until she told me. I woke up, like I, I woke up and realized that I had my fist on her face. Now I didn't hit her, but what she said was that I mushed her so much that she was delicate. She was man frail, light skin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That I bruised up her whole face. And when I Nothing saw more. that, when I saw that, I lost it. And I tried to kill myself. I tried to suffocate myself with a pillow. Because I was like, I, I can't believe I just did this. And she and what she described scared me too. Because wow. she said my eyes turned red and it looked like I was possessed. She described so it, it was like I was looking yeah. at Satan. And I was like, what? Hell no, I cannot live anymore. I mm. tried to kill myself. She fought the pillow off of my face. Um, that, that's a miracle in itself. She was probably like 95 pounds wet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Little short, probably like four foot eleven and a half. Um, and she she wrestled the pillow off of me, and I was I managed to get out of there. I didn't go back to the apartment once I got out until she left. Um, and that's when we were done for good. And hmm. um, man, I went I went a lot of I went several months alone, going hungry, being broke. Um, my food stamps ran out. 
<laughs> I was too prideful to go back home. So and, and eat and even, you know, enjoy the simple pleasure of eating food. I was just in a really dark, humble right. time, man. And um, yeah, that was kind of like the precursor to what led to my actual salvation, which I'm going to save for the next time. I'm going to save that for the next <laughs> For the next one, <laughs> but that that was that was bro, this, the this is a lot in your story that I had never even known before, bro. Yeah, man. Jeez, jeez, I, like, man. You see the scars. The Lord allowed you to go through so much. You know what I mean to to set you up for it for you know salvation and and get your your heart ready. Really, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, because it mean, wasn't. I know for myself, if I hadn't gone through a lot of the stuff I went through, I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. You need that that breaking. You know what I mean? That's a fact. Wow. And that's that's really what it did. It brought me really. So close. you know what? Yeah, <laughs> let's let's um. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wrap it up. Oh, I'm getting a text message. Time's up. <laughs> no, I, I was just gonna say we should put a uh, we should yeah we should put a pen in it um, and uh, get back to the second half. Or I guess the actual not the second half get to the actual salvation you know uh story the, the actual becoming and the eventuality of salvation um get to that man because you know I, that's that's a crazy life bro that's 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 wild and people wouldn't even um wouldn't even expect that from you know that you went through this stuff knowing you today mr praise god you know what i mean praise you, you god never, and, never and, and you're gonna know why that, i bro. say that term all the time you know <laughs> the audience is gonna learn why i say that term all the time it's the right. it's the pivotal part of how i got saved how the, the lord drew me in praise so, god <laughs> so bro since we getting um since we are talking about your life man i want to play one of your tracks bro which track do you think that we should play of yours um or should I just throw anyone in there? Man, that's I don't know what what could have been perfect if it was released. So here's an insider for y'all. I will be re-releasing oh. Rooftop, which is actually you you told me that's one of your favorite tracks ever. Um that would be perfect um just because it kind of talks about that really dark place all those different feelings of, of suicide inadequacy um the trauma i went through and so on and so forth um but i don't know you <laughs> pick one <laughs> pick one play that yo bro we we gonna have to do it now we're gonna have to do rooftops there we go i gotta get that joint out it's it's, it's already the engineer got it. it. The engineer got it. It's already re-recorded and everything. It just got to be mixed and mastered. Okay. It just got to be mixed and mastered. All right. Well, listen, man. Uh, we appreciate everybody who's t- tuning in here to the Missing Link podcast. Uh, my brother, Prophet Link, has shared a lot of gems and uh, been very open and transparent about uh, his life. Uh, and what the Lord, you know, used to uh, bring him eventually to salvation. Uh, so we thank you all for rocking with us for this episode. This is like a candid episode. I don't even know what the, we should call it, like a series <laughs> or something. Um, or the, the missing link. Um, um, I don't know. Uncanned. I don't know. I don't know. What <laughs> yeah, that ain't gonna work. Uh, <laughs> listen, before I start rambling on, thank you all for tuning in. Subscribe, like on YouTube. Uh, follow us on all like you know, social media, of course, at the Missing Link Podcast. Uh, Prophet Link is at Prophet Link, right? Yep. 
P-R-O-P-H-E-T, profit like a messenger. Right. And I at DJ Lawson Found uh, on all social media platforms or DJLawsonFound.com. And listen, we're going to get back to y'all in two weeks with a new episode of the Missing Link Podcast. And we out. Peace. I'm on my way Even though I walk, I still fall down I'm tired of getting back up off the ground Yeah, yeah, yeah On my knees in prayer is where I stay Tell heaven to wait for me Yeah, tell it I'm on my way I keep trying to the day that I rest Keep dying till there's none of me left Keep in mind when I fall seven times that it's only a test. Nobody's perfect, I'm the first to confess. Old flesh got me doing things I know I ain't supposed to. Breaking all the rules, I don't listen like I'm supposed to. Know you love deep, but I'm scared to even approach you. I'm back in the chains, my faith already broke through. Pray for me, but somehow you understand I'm a broken man. Carrying this cross with my broken hands. And I have yet to understand how you see past ignorance. But I'm only looking through my broken Lens. Devil wanna keep me out, but I'm going in. If my cup runneth over, well, keep pouring in. With my soul elevates to the sky, with the grapes on the Gatorade, welcome home, going in. Amen. Even though I walk, I still fall down. I'm tired of getting back up off the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On my knees in prayer. Where I stay Tell heaven to wait for me Tell it I'm on my way I know this road ain't easy Believe me Nothing about this journey gonna come easy On my knees in prayer is where I stay Tell heaven to wait for me Tell it I'm on my way. I'm right back on the road to Damascus. Blinded by the light as it flashes. Blind to the fact that I'm supposed to be a light to the masses. But instead I'm out here living in madness. Forgot that he took all of my sins and he burned them to ashes. Call me out the tomb like Lazarus. They say a dog always go back to what he threw up. That's nasty. And I'm like two steps away from my casket. Yeah. Give me a clean heart, open up my eyes so I see you for who you are. I know that I'm notorious for sin, it don't even matter if it's big or small, they both dead wrong. I boast in my wrongs, like I found hope in my wrong, like I ain't have hope all along. I feel so alone, your word says you never leave me alone. Help me fight the good fight until I'm home, wait for me.